Okay, guys, welcome back to the, I think, 30th episode of The Mindset Effect, actually. So today we have Ava Wetrick who we're interviewing. So Ava, you're actually only the second girl that we've interviewed. So we need to up our game on that. But Dang. So, yeah. <laughs> <The> <laughs> I'm first glad you're one, keeping track. Yeah, well, because there are so few of them, honestly. We need to really mm-hmm. be better at that. It's so funny. The first one that we did, we had like so many extra views, like double the amount of views, probably just because it was a girl and people are like, finally got some like diversity in there. So we're going to be better on that. <laughs> but yeah, so a little bit... Yeah. Yeah, a little bit more about you. So you're very young and ambitious, just like us. You're running your own media company, Mentors Media, with a Z, by the way. Um, and in that, you produce content that teaches entrepreneurship to youth through storytelling, articles, videos, etc. You also run your own podcast, Mentors, on which you've interviewed people like Dom, Tom Billu, which I'm super jealous of, quite frankly. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, since I didn't actually say that yet. Um, but so first question, just because I'm curious, what was that like interviewing Tom Billu and like people that are big like that? Oh man, it was really scary. <laughs> and sometimes I get myself into situations where I set up an interview for somebody and you know, the research process is always interesting. I've really upped my research process, but in the past, I kind of, some people I didn't really know who I was getting involved with. And then I start digging into them a couple, like a day or two before interviewing them. And I got really frightened. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is like, this guy or girl is like really huge. And I don't know what to do. And I didn't know this at first because they're really nice and humble about it. So I, so it's always scary. And, um, you know, I, I haven't interviewed like the most big people. Like, uh, you know, I'd like to in the future, depending on who they are. Like some people are like, well overtaken, like Gary Vee, great guy. But if you want to hear Gary V talk, you can like listen to Gary V. Like I, you don't need my podcast to ask him, you know, to ask like deep questions to him. But Tom Billy was definitely in a really interesting one. I interviewed him before my podcast even started. So I was 16 when I interviewed Tom Billy. Um, and it was very frightening. I was, um, in my parents' walk-in closet because it has great muffled sound. It's awesome. I will always recommend if you're starting out, just record in your closet because all the clothes mask everything else that's happening. Um, and he couldn't see my face. I couldn't see his. And I was completely fine with that because I was cherry red, like strawberry red. I was so I was so nervous, so embarrassed. And my dad was kind of leaning over my shoulder a lot, <clears throat> checking in on me a couple times. And I, that freaked me out too. And uh, every time I'd ask him a question, um, I like I would run out of breath essentially at the end of everything. So everything kind of either ended up in an uptick or like you kind of wheeze and you run out of breath. And I just I like literally right after right when he started talking after every one of my questions, I would duck down and catch my yeah. breath so the mic couldn't pick it up. I was so terrified. But when when uh, when I got later on into the interview, like in, in the very middle to the very end, I just got really comfortable or just more comfortable with him. And I was like, you know what? This isn't this isn't horrible. Like I enjoy talking to one of my idols. Um, and it did make it did it did it, it was super cool to me. But no one at my school really cared. I was telling people, I was like, oh my gosh, I get to interview this really cool guy, and they're like who's he? And I was like, Oh, he's, we don't give a shit. I'm like, okay, (laughs) it's It's fine. Um, but I, I super enjoyed it. It's like, it was one of my most scariest moments as an interviewer, but also just like one of the things I loved the most was, was it's always pretty, like, it's always pretty intimidating to talk to someone that you admire. And then once you actually do talk to them, like you notice that, you know, they're either a different person from who they thought you, who, who you thought they were, or like, they're just exactly like who you thought they were. It's, yeah. it's also pretty cool. Yeah, it's like um, how do you want to put it? It's like it's like wanting to talk to that kid you have a crush on, right? 
you're just like, oh my gosh, they're so scary. And I really want to talk to them. And then you walk up finally, and then they're just really relaxed. You're like, oh, I've had nothing to worry about. <laughs> this is kind of mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. I understand that. That's the funny thing about like being nervous is we always like kill ourselves twice. It's like way before we ever actually take action on what we're nervous about. And then like, while we're doing it, we're always nervous too. But like, so was that your first like interview you'd ever done? Or was there something before that? Cause like, I know with Kevin and I, our first interview was absolutely terrible. So like, was, uh, what was your first one like? Dude, it was oh terrible because Andrew forgot his microphone. <laughs> yeah. And then we had to share the same microphone. And, then, and headphones. And headphones. <laughs> so that was Are you guys in the same location, like together? Um, we were well, then. For, we were then, yeah. Yeah, because we, we're both freshmen at Ohio State. But, um, but with all this COVID stuff, he lives in California, so he's out there. Oh, man. What brought you to Ohio? That's what I'm wearing. College. Same. Really? What major did you go for? CSE. So What's that? Computer science. Computer science. Yeah, it's like programming stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't. We're is Ohio techies. State well renowned? Well renowned for that. They're, well, so basically, you know, I applied for college, got rejected from the UCs that I wanted to go to for CompSci. So I was choosing between you know my pool, and I chose Ohio State. Okay, because also like pretty so. big. So I like I like the big I like big schools. It is pretty decent for CompSci though. It's not too bad. It's one of the better ones, at least in Ohio. It's like top two. So it's pretty good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm sorry that nothing like some of your other top picks didn't work out, but like the Midwest isn't horrible. Like we're really nice. Like, <laughs> and we <laughs> the have only a lot thing of I miss field. is Asian food. There's like no <laughs> Asian food places in the Midwest. Uh, sometimes depending on the area, you got to like really look like really, really look for them to make sure like they're good and authentic. Like I live in Hamilton County uh, in Indiana and there's a killer um, ramen shop. And I, oh, and there's I some good there. places, but they're not, they're, they're pretty few. Near campus or like just in general? I feel like the places I've gone to, like I've gone to like one pretty good Korean barbecue place, some sushi places. Like there's not too many, in my opinion. Oh man, I'm so I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I, re- I remember <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, I remember Kevin. We would just like go out and just like every week we're just like gonna go and try a new restaurant because like there's so many places when you're downtown in Columbus. BB Bop is good though. BB Bop is a fantastic place. Mm-hmm. Definitely. If you I had go that, down there, I'll check it out. <laughs> I think I'm sure it's in more than just Ohio. You might have one in Indiana. How big is your college campus? Um, Ball State, I think, has around 22,000 students. So it's a pretty small campus. A lot of times we have one strip. So essentially it's like one big road and everything dispersed from that one big road is where you can find all of your buildings, other colleges, or like the school of however you want to call it. <laughs> and then we have a big bell tower in the middle. So it's actually, it's kind of one of the smaller schools, but I enjoy it because my farthest walk is like 20 minutes. And I like that. (laughs) Yeah. That's what sucks about like campus at OSU is like walking across campus is just like God awful. Mm -hmm. Like luckily Kevin and I were both on, yeah, Kevin and I were both on North campus, which was like close to our buildings this year, which was so nice. And like, I think as you get older, you probably go farther South in the dorms and stuff or like off campus. And so like, I'm not looking forward to that at that point. Cause like having to spend like half your day walking places is terrible. It's not bad. Just listen to podcasts when you're walking. True. True. (laughs) But it's still not the same as like actually taking action on something in my view, but you know, I'm big on that. I beat that drum all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Andrew doesn't read. He doesn't read. Yeah. Just takes action. Yeah. I've been, (laughs) yeah, I'm not a super big fan of books. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on reading? Do you, do you think reading is important? Me? Oh man, I apologize for the 
You're good. The, I didn't even know we had a home line. This happened <laughs> during another podcast I was uh, interviewing someone with. Is, if anyone, if it, if it makes you feel better, it makes it feel like we're in the room together. It's just more yes. homey, I guess. Even my dog barking, right? Um, but I, I enjoy reading. I love reading. Um, it's one of my favorite pastimes, and it's always has been ever since I was like, what, in middle school? So I'd read a ton of series. I'd just destroy books all the time, and I'd get in trouble for class for reading because I was so in that. I was so involved. But uh, I, it was like, honestly, it was my high, later high school years and college that really taught me that reading actually has knowledge to it. Like they're not just stories. I used to think, oh well, you know, reading and books are knowledge because the stories can teach you things, and that's true. It's really true. But I started actually reading like more nonfiction, self help, or self development, or neurology. I love neuro. I love neuroscience books. Um, and I really got to learn from there and I super enjoyed it. And so usually my goal is to bust out a book a week and I can usually do that. It's very achievable for me. But the problem is, is I'm currently reading um, The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene and that's a 22 hour book. That's like <laughs> 600, 700 pages wow. and it is killing me. Like I'm almost done. I'm like, I have an hour and 46 minutes left and I'm just like, it's, it's rough. Like it's been, it's taken me several weeks to get through that book um i've heard that kind book. Of diligent. it's like it's mainly um i thought only like guys read that book <laughs> why do you why do you assume that i don't know just Kevin, is, right? you're like seduce girls <laughs> it's not like it's it's either it's always guys seducing girls like never girls seducing guys oh that's actually if you if you want to read it i really do suggest it um it's i think robert green's like artist seduction is a book that no one really talks about because it's too powerful does that make sense like it's way too op'd because 48 Laws of Power, you can like you can watch someone enact 48 Laws of Power. It makes sense. If you do a tactic out of 48 Laws of Power, someone can pin you out, and it's usually aggressive, right? It's usually stand out in a, like, a little bit of bold moves or slights of hand that are all like, like underhandedly passive or aggressive. And Art of Seduction is all about just like pouring on the pleasure in a thousand different ways in order to get someone to do whatever you want. And it's insane so it's, oh, like so it's much more, more of a psychology book it's more of a psychology book yeah all robert green's okay. book are psychology but like in terms of manipulation which robert green is a master in terms of in human nature 48 laws of power is that more aggressive tactile business world and then um artist seduction is this more relation not even a relationship it's more of like that subtle slow process of making someone your slave essentially which is like what robert green uh, re represents it as like here's how you can make someone your slave and here's the steps to do it legitimately and it's Wait, so are you reading because you want to make your dad a slave or someone else a slave <laughs> <laughs> oh man no no unfortunately not i mean maybe someday like when you have the power to do it i mean you never really forget those kind of lessons but um it's it's really handy to know because it can it can come down to something as simple as like one-on-one -on -one seduction you're like hey i just want to, i want that person to fall in love with me or you can say i want the masses to fall in love with me and here's how you can do that too so it's like how did marilyn monroe do it how did jfk do it how did salome do it how did um andy warhol do it right um in terms of just specific people or like a whole public crowd it's super interesting i would highly recommend the book um, in, act, in enacting out the principles, literally in the first couple pages, Robert Greene says, um, just throw morality aside, all's fair in love and war, just discard any moral concepts you have because we're playing a game now. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so it's definitely an interesting book. I, I really enjoy it. It's really interesting. I've never actually heard of that. But like, so like my big thing with reading has always been like, 
it takes such a long time because like you were mentioning like a 22 hour book so like what is what in your mind like what value do you lose from like maybe going onto youtube and watching like you know an hour-long video that hits like all the main points like what do you think that you kind of lose from that um well you know there's been rare times that i've done that um but for robert green i have like taken a few chapters and watched like youtube videos on them and there's nothing wrong with that i think they're great anecdotes or i think they're great little clips that you can watch if you want to get interested in the book but when you read the book itself it's like it's like listening to one song from one track of a artist you like and then listening to the whole album the album means something. The, the one song, the, you know, the one hit could also mean something. It could be a great song. I'd enjoy it. But when you listen to the whole album, you're like, whoa, everything connects. Everything makes sense. And it, like, the point that the artist was trying to make has hit home for me so much more than just in one like, little YouTube video. And like, you know, it doesn't really take away. It only enhances. And it depends on when you read, too. So like, if your downtime is reading, that's great. Um, in college, I tried my best to upkeep a schedule where I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning. And the first thing I'd do is I'd get up and I'd read. And then I would go work out. And that was a huge benefit because I had, like, the earliest parts of the morning to take time for myself and, you know, to, like, th two or three different ways and then go off to college classes. Yeah, I think it's like experience. I think it's experience. And I think the main problem, like with reading that Andrew didn't point out is that a lot of people, they consume more material than they actually take action on. So you can read like 50 self-help books, but if you don't do anything about the material you read, like it's pretty much useless. Yeah, it depends on the book. Depends on the book. Uh, depends on the concept, I think. Because some, sometimes it's really internal. So, yeah. you know, that could be journaling, that could be, hey, like now I have to work through on my emotions or how do I view the world, right? And how can I change myself internally? Um, a lot of those concepts can build up over time and you can finally understand a subject. I've seen that in people, I've seen that within myself after like a third book on a different subject. I'm like, whoa, I get it, I understand. And that's really beneficial. Um, and also I just heavily recommend journaling. Even when it comes to like during when I was reading Atomic Habits, which is like implementing, I had to write down for myself, okay, how do I want to do it? How do, he's taking these lessons, they're great lessons. How do I want to structure my day? How do I want to structure my dorm room in order to build better habits? And, you know, it's like you can make them actionable plans, but just be conscious of it. Make sure that you're doing that. You know what I mean? How did, <laughs> Take how the time. Did how did you arrive at that kind of mindset? Because I think something that I see a lot nowadays is people will put like certain individuals on a pedestal and it's like, uh, this person did it this way. So I have to do it that way too. And not a lot of people do what you do of like, uh, you know, I'm going to take certain lessons from them, but I'm going to make them mine and I'm going to really, you know, turn them into my own thing as an individual. Like, how did you kind of arrive at that? And like, what are some techniques that you use um, to implement that? Hmm. I have to think about that. That's a good question. And I don't know if I've necessarily made any of it my own because, um, oh, honestly, the best thing I could come up with is creativity is stealing. Creativity is all about stealing. And I, and I love that concept. I don't know who gave it to me. I think a teacher did. I think a book did. But like creativity is stealing because when you, you know, when you take from one person, now you're copying them. Now you're mimicking them. That doesn't make much sense, especially because you're an individual. But when you take from a bunch of different sources, from a bunch of different 
people tear up, you know, tear the pages, see what you like, discard what you don't. And now you're left with what, with what you want to have, with what you want to create. And that's individuality, that's creativity. So in all honesty, a lot of my resources that I have is I have fantastic mentors to help me and to guide me. I have a lot of resources I like to look at like books or podcasts, or honestly, just watching my parents and my friends either succeed or stumble and fall. And I can watch them and say, okay, how do I want to approach that? Because they did something similar or they're about to do something similar that I need to do or don't do. How do I want to take it? So honestly, you just have to really, really look and really see what's happening. And you have to think, you really have to think through. <laughs> like It's hard. It's so difficult at this age to like come down and to focus. It's, I, I, I struggle with it a lot. I have like, I feel like I'm really fluttery at times but when you sit down and you focus on yourself and say hey what do I want for myself how do I make this mine set out set it out write a plan um put it on paper in some way legitimately take the time to think it out and say okay I have a plan and I'm holding it and this is awesome I want to implement this tomorrow or I want to implement this in two hours because you're never really going to do it like right that minute (laughs) so I'll implement it really soon and then you can wake up or you can wake up from that nap and you can start to do that thing and that's what I've enjoyed and I'm still working on it too I it's hard but when you start just just bringing in a ton of sources, eventually you'll build something that's your own. And that's what I love. That's why uh, information is so important. Do you make sure to like- I think, the, I think the caveat though is if you consume too much information, like you tend to lose your own train of thought. You lose your own creativity because you're like, you're trying to combine all these different sources together into one. Whereas you should be pulling from these sources and trying to forge your own path. It's kind of yeah. abstract, but- Depends on like, are you talking about dilution? Are you talking about, you know, like a good example I've heard, um, one of my mentors gave it to me. It's like, hey, if I toss you a golf ball once every, you know, 30 seconds, you could catch them. But if I, but like, if I have a, you know, golf ball gun that can shoot 30 golf balls in a second, can you catch all of them? No. And the age of information that we're in, you know, we're getting pelted with golf balls and we curl up and we cry into in a little ball because we're so overloaded. So are you talking about being overloaded with information and being diluted or having a lot of resources and not being able to find yourself? I'm more talking about, you know, the sec, the latter. So having a lot of sources of information, but, you know, losing, you know, um, your initial goal, your initial whatever. <laughs> Is that usually because <laughs> of entertainment? Wait, what? I was saying, is it usually entertainment? Is entertainment the reason you'd lose your goal? Or, I mean, or are you adjusting? Like, is new resources coming in all the time and you're saying, oh man, I think I should go on this path. Or, I mean, there's like, there's a lot of alternates you could use too, because a lot of people like to say, and they, and and they have the right to say, I have nowhere to judge, but the, I have an answer when people advertise and market to you, like, I have an answer. Here's how you do Instagram marketing. Here's how you do, um, like here's how you swing a golf ball correctly and I can teach you. Are you talking about that diverting you and making you lose yourself? I'm more talking about, you know, you have all these different schools of thoughts and Mm. like you basically, it's like taking advice, right? You don't take advice from everyone. And I think a lot of people, if you take too much advice, if you take everyone's advice as true, like it's, it's just bad for you. I feel Mm -hmm. that's a truism. I think that's when you got to pick and choose. Like there exactly. are bad books out there. So you there. have to be selective. Um, Absolutely. That's what I'm to say. 
absolutely you, take the advice from your friends and your mentors not from everybody yeah <laughs> what, what kinds of like things because like you know even sometimes mentors might give you advice that you think is bad advice like do you so something that's really important for me is like for whatever you know whatever piece of advice that i'm given i have to believe in it like because you know there are so many instances of people doing things that honestly sound stupid and i guarantee you probably couldn't find a single person on the planet that'd be like this is a good idea but somebody did it anyway and it worked out so like for example like elon musk running tesla and spacex at the same time i guarantee you nobody was like that's a fantastic idea do, do both at the same time this is totally gonna work out and it's like he believed in it he did it anyway and it really worked out for him and so like obviously those might be really rare but like how do you kind of differentiate that of like you know even though I do, I don't believe in this, I'm still going to do it. Or like, is it, you know, I have to believe in this to do it. I don't know. I don't know. Especially when it comes to taking advice. Like if you trust that person a lot, go ahead and do it. I mean, I bet that Elon Musk had a lot of investors or stakeholders or, or his own mentors that said, Hey, not a lot of people can do this, but I know that you can. Right. So he might've had that advice to help him, you know, go pursue. And then he also had a lot of outside opposers saying no, but he, I'm going to, Theoretically, if he had all these people saying yes to him, close to him, I'm going to bet that he took the yes and, and ran with it as he would. Just make sure it's people that you trust. Honestly, make sure it is people that you trust and you know that have like the best intentions for you because not everyone has the best intentions for you. <laughs> and if they say, hey, jump, and you're like, I trust you. I think I should jump. How high should I jump? That's what I would usually mm -hmm. like to do. Or if they say, hey, have a jump. And I'm like, I'm like, should I? Like, what happens if I jump? They say, okay, well, here's what happens if you jump. And I'm like, that makes sense. I'll go ahead and jump. Um, just logically thinking it out, <laughs> just logically thinking it out. Interesting. So like, you know, you were talking about, um, them saying like, oh, this is what will happen. But it's funny because like a lot of times in life, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. And so that's one of the really interesting pieces about taking advice is like, you know, there are so many times where someone might do something and it has the completely opposite result than like if someone else would do something and so like you know are, are, would you say that you're somebody who like takes a lot of the risk because you know any kind of you know stepping outside those bounds is like really taking the risk um and so like how do you balance like the risk you want to take and the risk you don't how do i balance the risk i want to take and the risk i don't there's a lot like there's a lot to your there's a lot to your question i'm going to try to dissect a lot of it i mean when it when it comes to when it comes to mentors giving that advice again like trust in the people you want to trust in and take the advice at your own risk. Like if it doesn't work out, it doesn't. And then when you were mentioning there's a, there's a level of unpredictableness, totally understandable. But I also know that human beings are really predictable, really, really predictable. So most of the time, if you know the person well enough, you'll know their outcome. Like if I gave my friend advice because she was doing dumb things, I'd say, Hey, <laughs> I love you. You're doing dumb things. Can you not do the dumb thing? She'd say, sure. And if I kind of knew in my heart that she was going to go do it anyway, I just might not give her the advice in the first place. You know, like people are really predictable. So um, you usually cater your advice to that person to help them. Or if you're, you know, if you're a really great mentor, you help them, you guide them along because they might be confused and scared and they might have not interpreted the, what you said to be true, or they might've thought it was something else. So making sure you're clear and concise. And then when it, when it comes to risk management, uh, I don't <laughs> like, I don't take huge risks. I, you know, because like, what's the, what's the outcome? You know, if it's mm -hmm. completely detrimental, I don't, some of the detriments I don't want. So I'd stray away from them. But I also know there's benefits to other risks. Like for me, a, a quote unquote risk and consequence would be taking a bunch of college classes over the summer. 
I know the risk. I'm losing a lot of time. It's not the most fun. Um, and I get to miss out on some stuff, but there's a lot of reward there. Um, so, you know, I don't get to have as much fun this summer. I don't get a lot of time to, and I have to, you know, study and stuff, but financially it's a lot better for me. I could graduate sooner. I can, you know, do however I'd like to, and maybe give myself an easier senior year. You just have to look ahead. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I've never really had to encounter major risk scenarios. Mm -hmm. And if I have, it's usually in rugby and I would just hit the person <laughs> and face the consequences. And usually that's either painful or you, or you hit them good and, and, you know, you enjoy it. You enjoy your victory until you get hit in the next 30 mm -hmm. seconds. <laughs> I, you know, I'm so jealous because my school was super tiny. And so we didn't have any cool sports like rugby or lacrosse or anything. We had like all the lame stuff like, you know, soccer, football. Soccer's not bad. I enjoy it, but it's just like we didn't have anything exotic. Like everybody, we almost had a petition that went around saying that we wanted lacrosse or something because that would have been really cool to do. I think it's funny you think like lacrosse is exotic. <laughs> Well, it is to me. <laughs> oh, because, my God. Yeah, just because I, I guess in, like, your own way, it's like, you know, everything you haven't done is exotic. It's like how we talked about yesterday, Eva, on our call. Like, you know, if you're from a small town, like, a big city is exotic. Or if you're from a big city, um, you know, a small town is exotic. And we always seem to want the things that we don't have, um, which is a really interesting piece of psychology. But. Yeah, because we haven't experienced it yet, so we always want to. We always want to taste the new horizon. That's just the mm -hmm. human nature. It's the new frontier. We yeah. thoughts and breaks, because like I feel like um, I think everyone like we must do what we're doing right now in case like there is a purpose in the future. Because yeah, so like there's no times for breaks. Um, like in my opinion. So what are your thoughts on that? For how do you mean like like school breaks? Because you kind of broke. I up mean, a just breaks bit. in general. So like you know how like the hustle culture, just working all day, working twenty four seven. Like, what are your thoughts on taking breaks? Oh my gosh, take them, like take them. I a lot of my very successful friends, my really great like great mentors that I admire a lot, they have really structured days, and they say, hey, from like nine to five. I'm going to be really productive or from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. I'm going to bust out everything. After that, I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm going to cook some great food. I'm going to go, you know, like I'm going to drink a glass of wine or have some beer and I'm calling it a day. And usually those people do really well for themselves because they structure it. A lot of times people with this hustle and grind culture work 24 seven. It's not beneficial because you burn yourself out much faster. I know that I wouldn't be able to handle the work 24 seven. So I schedule everything. I'm like, Hey, in the mornings, in the afternoons, there's your time. Ava. Get your, like, get your shit done. But in the evenings, I want to spend my time with my family and I want to, you know, cook, cook a good meal for myself. And we have 17 kids in the back, in my backyard with, from other houses that want to come out and play with my sister and my brother and I, and I want to spend time with them. So I know to spend time with them and have fun. Yeah. Frankly, so like, I don't think a lot of people understand that, like you can't work 24 seven. Like it's, it's not efficient. Like you have to work hard, but you also have to work smart. So there's like mm -hmm. two keys to the, to the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you it's just a have to be like sane. Like I don't get it. <laughs> you have to be a sane yeah. person. Yeah, and people just honestly, want to work for the, the sake of working, not to actually yeah. do anything. Or, I mean, like I, like I, I have a, um, pastor that I love and he gave a sermon on being a workaholic. I mean, we live in a great area of Indiana and a lot of people have um, really good jobs, but those jobs are time demanding. And he was essentially saying, Hey, you know, working is good, but in a, like um, the American culture has really um, fetishized work. 
So, you know, you should like hustle and grind, work 24 seven. But the problem is, is being a workaholic, you literally can't stop working because you start to build this anxiety. You start to build this fear. You feel like you're doing nothing. Either way, you start to get really pent up on the inside and you feel like you constantly have to keep doing stuff. And taking those breaks is so much more healthier for you. Cause I experienced that. I've experienced that for a long time. It's like, if I wasn't constantly working or on LinkedIn or doing a podcast or scheduling something, I felt like shit, like absolute shit. And I was like, I'm a horrible person for not doing anything. And you have to get past that because you're a human being and you should not like, you should not have a, like be guilt ridden over just kind of sitting down and spending time with people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How much time, like a day do you give yourself then for like leisure or just like taking a break? <clears throat> um, usually after every task, I'll give myself 30 minutes to an hour. And usually that 30 minutes to an hour is me eating. So <laughs> Mondays, Mondays are for all my schoolwork. I bust out all my classes on Mondays. Tuesdays are for when I do all my podcast stuff. So I edit, I put it all together. I create the videos. I write the blogs and edit the blogs um, and then schedule all that out to push it out. And then all of those things I have like, okay, well, I finally wrote one blog. That's a lot of work. I'm going to go and I'm going to go eat something and I'm going to like be unconscious for an hour and then I'll come back. And then that, I mean, that's really nice for me because I know that I want those breaks because if I force myself, it's not going to work. Like, if I force myself to like overdo it and when I know that I want the break, I'm not going to be good at it. So coming back after them, I feel a little more refreshed and I'm like, okay, awesome. Like, let's go to the next thing. Let's, let's, let's hit it. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually by like six o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, I'm just, I'm, I'm out. Like I want to <laughs> be outside. <laughs> I want to run around outside and, and bike and stuff. So that's usually one. And then in mm-hmm. the mornings when I do all my workouts and I read, I love that. That's also like my quiet moments of the day and I really love those breaks it is really interesting because like I've seen this you know firsthand like and like personally but a lot of like the workaholic stuff is I mean I'm sure there are lots of cases that aren't like this but I think a lot of it is you know you were just truly obsessed with what you're doing you know I had a brother who started coding at age 12 and so like all that he did was code every single day all day um and he like didn't do anything uh, anything else and so like you know, as the average kid would be playing like video games or Minecraft or something on the weekends or Friday nights, like he was coding and it's like all that he ever did. And he just loved it so much. And it's just really interesting because like, I almost feel like that's a big differentiator because like, you know, there are definitely those people who are just workaholics because they feel like they need to be working because they're ultra competitive. And there are those people that maybe they feel a little bit of that, but it's mostly like, I just love what I'm doing so much. It's just like playing a video game 24 seven. You know, it's like, I don't even feel like I'm working. It's just like, I sit down and I just get into this. And it's like, this is so fun. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to eat. I totally forgot that I didn't have lunch today. It's like, you know, that kind of thing, which is really interesting. I, don't, I, don't yeah, think, it's, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's working to the extent where like you just have so much pent up stress and like when you do want to take a break or take a vacation, like you can't even not think of your work. And that's mm-hmm. like when the problems arise. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is. It seems you. Yeah, it is really an interesting uh, kind of thing, though, because, you know, 100 percent, it's like working all the time. You're probably not going to be the most happy if that's not what you want to do, at least. But like for people who like, you know, like Gary Vee talks about, like he's very logical about it because, you know, there's this quote that somebody said, I don't remember who. But it's something along the lines of like, you know, if you never say good enough tomorrow, it'll always be enough. And he's like basically saying that like, you know, if you are doing a task and then one day you're just like, okay, this is good enough, whatever. It's like, you don't really know if it's good enough or not. You know, you don't know if it's good enough until after. It's just like, you know, when studying for a test, you can be like, I've studied enough, I'll be fine. And you might still fail the test. You never know it's good enough until after the test when you got that A or that 100 or something. 
Yeah, when you get your results and you feel it all. Or like I'm collective at the end of the week. I can understand that. That's a good mm-hmm. quote. Yeah, well, that's one of the annoying things about school is like, you know, for most things, you can like schedule some time and you're like, okay, got my stuff done. Like I'm done for the day. But like with school, it's like, you never know if you studied enough until after the test is over. And so you get into this kind of thing where it's, I have to keep studying until I'm done with this test. And then the next week, there's another test. And the next week, there's another test. It just takes up so much time because you never feel like you're quite ready enough, which is See, that's the what you gotta aggravating plan. thing. Like if you, if you know the dates of the test, if you plan according like an hour each day of studying, like it's not hard to get a good score on the test. Like that's what I did mm-hmm. for college and I'm, I got pretty good grades. Getting all, getting all the A's. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think it would depend though. Cause you know, there, there are definitely certain tests where you just get to them and they're just not at all what you expect. And it's just like, a, whoa, <laughs> this is not what I was expecting. I remember like when I was younger. Yeah, let's let's for, talk about it. Let's talk about that. So yeah. I'm, yeah how do you yeah. do with things that are out of your control? Do you blame yourself? Wh- who do you oh. blame? When things are out of your control? Yeah. So can so you give like, me like an example? Like, cause that's a, I mean, that's everything. That's a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like you're, I don't know, like you're doing something. So let's say, let's say, let's say you're just like, yeah, so like coronavirus, perfect time. So we have a bunch of small businesses. We have people starting the new businesses and corona happens. So, and they can't even start the business and it just goes all out of whack. How do you deal with it? Yeah. Um, someone that I really love to pull from is Jocko. Is Jocko. Are you guys familiar with Jocko? Sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. All right. So like he wrote books, um, Discipline Equals Freedom, um, The Dichotomy of Leadership. He has several kids books out. Um, I think he has a third book that I'm forgetting the title of, but he's a fantastic man. Um, and something he does talk about is, you know, if it's in your control and if it's not in your control and he, and he determines that by responsibility. So if it is in your control, you're responsible for it. That's awesome. You can, you can solve that problem. You can handle it. So <clears throat> in things that are out of control, so coronavirus is a heavy hitter, right? And if I own my own business, I take a step back and go, whoa, there's a lot of things that are out of my control. I'm not going to worry about the things that are out of my control because I can't control them. So essentially I'm hurting myself. I'm wasting my time. What can I do? What do, what do I have control over? And, uh, like, and, then, and then I would want to take care of those things. Something that's out of my control is death. I don't want to like, I mean, death is a huge concept. And right now, especially for my dog, I love my dog. Her name is Zoe. She's my favorite. If you go on my Instagram, you'll see her all the time, but she's getting pretty old. And my family's kind of teasing me, making fun of her saying, Oh, Zoe's going to, you know, pass away soon. I don't think she is. And honestly, I've put myself in a lot of states where I'll be really upset and I'll kind of tear up over the thought of my, of my, my puppy, my baby girl dying. But I'm just, that's out of my control. And why am I focusing on it? And it's hurting me and I'm going to go through it twice now. So what can I do right now? What can I control? Spending time with her, giving her some more treats, loving her, taking her on walks, things like that. And if that's in my control, then that's what I want to handle. Everything else is if I can't fix it, it's just going to hurt focusing on it. So just pick up what you can. It's really funny because I remember Gary V. This is going to be the last thing because we have like a minute and 40 left. But it's really funny because Gary V. one time, he was like, you know, if I walk outside and I get hit by a car, I'd be like, gosh darn, I shouldn't let the house so early. And like, I, I <laughs> love that line because like, obviously, if you can't control it, it's not necessarily your fault. But it's just a really, really entertaining line. But, but yeah, so as I said, we have like a minute left. So thank you, Ava. Um, where can people last find question. you online? Or that too, yeah. Coffee, tea, or soda? Super quick. Oh, tea, all the way. (laughs) David's tea, Tivana, even though it's gone. Love it. Love it, love it. Love it. All right. So where can people find you online? 
Yeah, you can find me anywhere. Um, just look up Ava Wetrick, my LinkedIn, please look up me there. Um, and then I have my own website, mentorsmedia.com. Please reach out to me, Instagram, please reach out to me. Um, and I'm always happy to chat and help you guys out in any way that I can. Sounds good. We thank you guys for listening and we will see you guys later. See ya.